This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Uh, my special guest and our good buddy, our friend of the show, Bose Hadley, author extraordinaire, is going to come on board and talk to us about his latest book, Life's a Pooch, which is quotes about dogs by people who love them. So it's right up our alley. Lots of great quotes. We're going to talk to him a little bit about some of the quotes and how he put the book together and his writing styles as a whole. So it's going to be a fun and entertaining show as always. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And joining me now is Bose Hadley, author extraordinaire. Now, Bose is, uh, just to let you know his background, he's uh, he's author of 23 books. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how I would take up a breath in between things to get that many books done. But we're excited about each and every one of them. Bose is a friend of the show. And his latest book, Life's a Pooch, is ready and available for everyone. Bose, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Tim. Glad to be on. Oh, it's great to hear your voice. Great to have you back on. And uh, congratulations on another fantastic book. Well, thank you. It's a real labor of love, and I started it around 2000, and look how long it took. It just came out several weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, I could have that many quotes in a day, I think, if you just quoted me. <laughs> I will have to say I was kind of disappointed I didn't see any of my quotes in there, but maybe the next book. Well, I am working on a cat follow-up, so if you have any cat quotes, sure. Ah, well, there you go. You you just have to go online, go on my website. There's one uh, that'll stare you right in the middle of the face. uh, I will do that, really. That's right. Uh, I'm not opposed to uh, begging for publicity. (laughs) (laughs) The same as dogs, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right up my alley. So tell us about it. You started in 2000. Uh, Walk us back through that time. It's like, how did that idea come about? What was the uh, epiphany behind that? And then uh, we're talking you know, a long period of time to get all these together. Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, you know, some of my books I've done because there wasn't a book on the topic and it interested me. Like I did a book years ago called Celebrity Feuds because surprisingly there hadn't been one. And I like quotes books. They're entertaining. They're fun. You can learn things that are interesting or useful and then share them with friends and relatives. But I had never seen a quotes book all about just dogs or just cats. So I started collecting both. And truth to tell, because I had a cat at the time, a Siamese named Rusty, I started in the late 90s with cat quotes. But then around 2000, after I was informed by editors, well, you know, dog books are more likely to get published, even though there are more cat owners. So I don't know how that figures. But anyway, I started collecting from just everywhere, magazines, newspapers, books, online. But you have to be careful because the Internet has lots of fabricated stuff. You have to triple check. Also, I do travel a lot and I speak five languages. So if I see something in an Italian magazine or a French newspaper, then I jot that down. 
And then also some are from interviews I did with celebrities. And if, for example, you're lucky enough to get to talk with, say, Sandy Dennis or Mary Tyler Moore, really animal-oriented people, they will often give you great quotes, but then they'll be kind enough to say, you know, you should also contact so-and-so and so-and-so, and they'll give you great quotes, and it just keeps snowballing. But it's also a question of arranging them in separate chapters and categories so that it flows. So it isn't uh, like, here's a quote about X and here's a quote about K. So that sort of goes A, B, C, D, E, that kind of thing. So it does take time. Wow, that's interesting. I find a couple bits of what you just said just really intriguing in the fact that you know celebrities willing to step forward yeah. and give their quotes and ideas and then turn you on to other – it's like, hey, have you talked to my buddy, you know, Mary yeah. Tyler Moore or Betty White? Or <laughs> right. In fact, Betty White gave a wonderful blurb for Life's a Pooch. Read this with your dog. You'll both love it. There you go. There you go. Well, I tell you, it's fascinating. I think, you know, we're talking dogs or cats, uh, animals in general. It's the common denominator. Uh, Wouldn't you think that uh, everybody has uh, some sort of relationship, either past, present, or uh, going to have an animal in their life? Right, or as a child or whatever it was, or the neighbor even, yeah. And the thing is with celebrities, you know, some stars, it's all me, 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 and they will never talk about another celebrity, maybe about Marilyn Monroe or Elvis. But when it comes to dogs or cats, in fact, Anne Margaret said, I spoke with her briefly on the phone. She said, I hate interviews. I don't want to be interviewed about my life, but I love talking about cats in her case. So that may be for the next book. <laughs> there you go. A little teaser yeah. for the next one. I like that. That's really fascinating. Well, well, then tell us a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit more about that process of how do you go about determining if these quotes are real and getting your sources, the research behind it. How does that process come about? And in are there times, I'll add on to that, are there times where you've maybe interviewed some with a celebrity or talked to someone who's an industry expert and decided, hmm, maybe that quote's not quite real? right for this <laughs> this opportunity. Right. And, and you know, not only that, some quotes tend to repeat themselves because, for example, if you just have a quote from three celebrities and they're basically saying, I love my dog, I love my dog, you know, you need something a little more specific or an example or something their dog did or what kind of dog. So it is true. Uh, you Let's say for every 10 quotes you get, you might use four or five because you want the book to be really interesting and for each quote to stand out and not repeat. And as for verifying, well, see, that's the thing with books and magazine articles. They're edited, whereas the Internet is not edited. And that's why minimum I triple check when it's that. Plus, one thing, though, uh, Tim, is that quotes about dogs are not going to be very controversial. So it's not like you would have to check on a quote about politics or religion or someone's private or sex life. Dogs or cats, you know, no one's going to sue. <laughs> so, uh, But you do want them to be real and uh, that it's attributed to the right person because there are a few where you have two different people like, say, Winston Churchill and Oscar Wilde, and it's the same quote. Well, now, Oscar Wilde was before Winston Churchill, so then you have to do some research. Did he really say it, and did Winston Churchill then say it, and then did someone in Hollywood then say it a third time, that kind of thing? (laughs) And and knowing Hollywood, they would never repeat Mm. themselves, would they, (laughs) Bose? They might repeat someone else, yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll slap my label on that or or change one word in the the quote. (laughs) Well, it's it's like Dorothy Parker, and she liked dogs, but she once said something very clever in front of a friend who said, oh, I wish I'd said that. And Dorothy Parker said, you will, dear, you will. 
<laughs> I love it. Exactly right. Well, I'm like you. I, I love quotes in general. I remember, uh, you know, in a previous life of mine, I spent uh, you know 20 years as a telecom executive in sales and marketing, and I used to use uh, quotes, you know, as a motivator. I uh, would have them uh, handy, or even going back to my early days in in business, where I would have a cubicle, and my cubicle would just be lined with famous quotes, whether it was animal quotes, whether it was just you know things to do with business. So I, I think that it's what do you think the uh, fascination is behind it? Why do we we as uh, humans tend to like a good quote? Well, because it's it's brief. First of all, you don't want a quote that goes on and on. You can have let's say three, four on a page instead of a whole page. The person will tend to skip that one. They're distilled. They're just the essence of something that's clever or informative or witty. And uh, you know they've been sort of modeled. Uh, very often, celebrities when they issue quotes, they're not spontaneous. You know they've worked on it. Like for example, Mae West, with all her hundreds of things that were quoted uh, for decades, uh, she worked on those behind the scenes. And people thought, well, isn't she clever? Isn't she witty? And she was. But again, there's all the work behind the scenes. And then, as somebody once said, reading quotes saves original thinking. There it is. You have it. You don't have to come up with it yourself. <laughs> and once again, not to uh, bash on Hollywood, but original thinking is uh, at a premium nowadays, I believe, uh, with all the remakes and everything going on. Sure. So what uh, when you were uncovering this, are there quotes that you have come up with that you thought were uh, particularly um, uh, well-received, or did you steer away from that and, and focus just on uh, particular uh, industry experts and celebrities? Well, now that's another thing. It is a, a combination of celebrities, but also experts. For example, four times in the book is quoted uh, Dr. Roger Mugford, who is a British animal behaviorist. He trained the corgi dogs of Queen Elizabeth. So there is lots of useful information and surprising things and things that uh, if people aren't that into dogs that maybe they should know if they're considering or various people have told me, well, I didn't know that you should do this or you shouldn't do that. For example, if you have an older dog to play Frisbee, you have to be aware of the dog's condition because when they jump up and twist their spine to catch that Frisbee, that can uh, lead to or exacerbate if they have rheumatism or a spinal problem. You know, it's one thing for a young dog, but again, uh, people tend to think very often of animals as ageless because, you know, they pretty much look the same at two as they do at 12, that kind of thing, unlike people, let's say, 28 and 82, obviously. But, yeah, there is useful stuff as well as funny stuff, surprising and entertaining stuff, and it's just a question of putting it all together so, again, so that it flows. That's one thing. And just quotes that people like, but also quotes that will, again, I try with my books to be both entertaining and enlightening, if that doesn't sound too pretentious. Mm -hmm. But in other words, to do both of those things so that, yes, they have a good time, but they'll also come away with certain things and say, ah, I didn't know that, or I'll remember this, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think you do a great, great job of that. And uh, you know, and, and I like the book. Maybe it's my short attention span to things, but it, it's a perfect book <laughs> <Quotes>. for me. <laughs> really? Well, that's the one thing about quotes. Also, they are brief. And the thing about a book like this, or any quotes book, you can just dig into it on page eighty and just start reading. You don't have to do one, two, three. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Pick a section that uh, resonates with you, or just some quotes right off the top. Right. So I have to ask you, uh, in dealing with this book and other books that you've done, where we're talking about quotes or uh, particular sayings, where particular sayings that we're familiar with come from, etc. Are you, in your opinion, are you very good at remembering 
quotes okay. and who they came from? Or are you abysmal like me and I have no idea and I can never say it right or who it came from? Well, no, I, I do have to say without bragging, I have an excellent memory, not photographic. Some people will say, oh, he has a, definitely not, I wish. But no, I do have a very good memory. And I find that you have to because uh, sometimes you'll have a bunch of quotes on different pages or on the computer, different places. And you have to remember now, did this one go with that topic or that person or did someone repeat or say something very similar that kind of thing and again organizing is important for example in life's a pooch one of the uh, five chapters is called the universal tongue what it is is dogs on the screen on tv and in movies uh and because we've all seen everyone from benji to beethoven to matisse and down and off beverly hills and on and on so if you're interested in how dogs are portrayed and represented and misrepresented, then there's that chapter. Or there's a chapter on pampered pooches, the way that some people will spoil their dogs, which can be very funny or outrageous. And so when putting together these particular chapters, did you have uh, an outline of, okay, these are the X number of chapters I want in this book, and I'm going to go out and try to find good quotes for those chapters? Or was it more of, I'm going to collect as many of these great quotes as I can, and then we'll create the chapters as we go along? That's it, because that sort of shapes the chapters. With dogs, of course, you can always, and the same with cats, you can always say, you can have a chapter on how people love their pet and what they do and funny little stories, one about the media and animals, and one about culture and animals and how dogs have shaped human culture and how humans have literally shaped dogs, which have the most plastic genes of any mammal. That's why you have so many different sizes and shapes of dogs, unlike cats, which are basically one shape. And uh, one size for house cats, anyway. So, yeah, it it does tend to fall into certain categories. And, uh, again, you don't want too many chapters, but we have five chapters. And I, I think that's a good, again, the book is, you know, reasonable length. And what really surprised and pleased me was it's a hardcover with a beautiful dust jacket with three <laughs> darling little dogs on the cover. And uh, I don't know if I should say this, it's $15 for a hardcover. I've had books that were $15 for paperbacks, mm-hmm. no illustrations, but this one was printed in China. So I guess that made the difference. I was Uh-oh. very surprised. Oh, maybe you should leave that last part out because it sounded so uh, impressive until you said the C word there. <laughs> oh, right, right. I know where they sometimes eat dogs. And that's in the book, too, very much about dogs. I mean, it's not dwelt upon, but there are some wonderful animal activists, including here in Southern California, who visit China and Southeast Asia undercover, and they go to dog-eating fairs and festivals, and they try and rescue the dogs. And uh, also, for example, in Macau, Macau has uh, replaced Los Vegas is the number one gambling destination on earth, and they still do greyhound races, and there are people trying to stop many of these practices that are harmful to animals. Absolutely, absolutely, and big kudos to them for doing so. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then come back and talk a little bit more to author Bose Hadley about his book, Life's a Pooch, and I want to talk to Bose a little bit about his writing styles and uh, how he create such uh, fascinating uh, ideas for books. So everybody, hang tight. We're going to come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, (laughs) you'll fall in love with the Klepto Kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. 
Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not-so-adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. (laughs) Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with uh, multi-multi author Bose Hadley and his latest book, Life's a Pooch, quotes about dogs by people who love them. So, uh, Bose, when uh, everybody goes out and picks up a copy of this book and thumbs through it, loves it, earmarks their favorite quotes, uh, hopefully uh, don't steal them for themselves. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you hope they get out of the book? What's your uh, main goal, or do you have several goals? Well, one of the things is simply to be more aware how amazing animals are, pets, dogs and cats. They really are more amazing. The more you learn about them, the more impressed you are by them. That's one thing. And then also by the fact that, yes, here in the U.S., here and now, we love animals. We treat our dogs very well, but boy, if you go back a century even, it wasn't quite the case. Dogs had to earn their keep. They were fed scraps. There was no uh, pet food you could go and shop for you know, in the supermarkets. That came about basically after World War II. And very often the dog slept outdoors. That was that. People wouldn't think of having it indoors. And it wasn't always, you know, for the kids. It was for practical reasons. So again, just the awareness of how better treated dogs are today than they were and how they should be and how they aren't in all of the world. Having traveled to over 60 countries, I've seen very sad situations. And you have certain cultures and one religion that very much is anti-dog. And in most of the world, you know, in the U.S., if you compare someone to a, a dog or this or that, it's not a big deal. But in much of the world, it's a real insult. It's sort of a fighting challenge. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. How do you see that culture, whether it's a religious culture or a particular country culture, when you see someone from a particular heritage or particular religious background, but they come to the United States either to visit or to live, do you see them changing their ideas and philosophies to uh, better understand? Very little. And I can say this because my parents were from other countries as well. Most people who come here, they come not for, you know, the stereotype of freedom. Of course, there is far more freedom, but it's for economic opportunity for themselves and for their children. And when they come from what we call third world countries, no, basically people will not adapt very much in their thinking. I mean, publicly they will say so, but then uh, you go into their homes and talk with them and their groups, and uh, they carry on the same habits, you know. And if they didn't like dogs in, let us say, Pakistan, they're not going to like dogs here. It's an unfortunate thing, but, you know, people don't change that much. And, and maybe neither do animals other than learning tricks. And and by the way, one of the myths that is exploding in this book, an old dog can't learn new tricks? Of course it can, definitely. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's always a learning experience and they're always willing to uh, and eager to learn. Uh, that's part of that, uh, you know, especially when you're talking about dogs uh, and cats, yeah. you know, it's mental stimulation. The more they can learn, the better they thrive, you know. And, exactly. Just yeah. like people as they get older to avoid, say, Alzheimer's. I was reading recently the biggest thing you can do because it's the biggest intellectual undertaking is start learning a new language and which has benefits obviously especially when you travel but it it keeps the brain younger and keeps and rejuvenates it even yeah, so learn Spanish or French. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I you know I think taking a dog's cue or a cat's cue and continuing to learn and be fascinated with uh, things, try something new, step out of your comfort zone uh, is key. But uh, yeah, and the languages, I will say, you know, it, and it's very interesting because I think it does stimulate your brain. I think it it uh, grows that uh, giant muscle you have on your uh, shoulders by learning the languages. But also, it's uh, you know with culture today. When you look at just uh, the United States as a whole, you know, we've always prided ourselves on being this great melting pot of people. But, you know, in the early days, it was mostly uh, Eastern Europeans. And now it's a whole plethora and you're interfacing and living among them. You know, it's not a, you know, I know when I was growing up, there would be sections of town, you know, and you see it in bigger cities, you know, Koreatown, Italian town, whatever it may be. Now it's a great conglomeration. I I just look at my own neighborhood, you know, fortunate enough to build a new house a few years ago and 80 homes in the new community and uh, talk about a mixture of folks in both the religious and cultural uh, blends. It's quite fascinating. Fascinating. It's something uh, you know I've never uh, fully encountered in, in other places I've lived. Right, and the thing is, though, when people do come from other countries, at least they do see in the U.S. or in Britain that it is a very pro-pet culture. So if they don't like dogs, they keep it to themselves. And then the good thing is, then their kids will be much more influenced by the American or British culture and grow up to love dogs and treat them well. So the people directly from those countries, that's one thing, but then their kids growing up here, that's another thing. And then you also mentioned about mental stimulation. Just reading a book is quite a mental stimulant, and I have read in various places, reading nonfiction does more for those little gray cells than reading fiction. I don't know why, maybe because of facts and retaining facts, because, you know, you'll read most novels, the end, and then that's it, you forget about it. But with books, you may retain a lot of certain facts and information. So again, that's helpful too. And as a writer of nonfiction books like myself, I am glad of that. <laughs> yes, likewise. Same here. <laughs> so I'm going to put that on my little resume. If you don't like my books, well, at least you get more educated. Your brain will grow <laughs> if you read my books. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like that. I like that. So then you're going back to your writing styles. When you put together a book, this one it was a long time in the making. Do you find yourself writing multiple books, You know, starting on one and going off to a different topic, or do you stick to one particular one? I mean, how do you, how do you generate that as a writer? Well, when it's a quotes book, then it is, of course, not a full-time thing because you're collecting off and on, off and on. In one month, you might collect two good quotes or you might collect 24 good quotes. And so you just file them away. Whereas now, if you were doing a novel, and I came back from my mom's house in San Francisco, and it is cold up there compared to here in Los Angeles. Anyway, depending on the project, but no, quotes books are very much off and on because of the collecting nature. 
But if, for example, like when I did a book called Celebrity Feuds, well, you work on a certain feud. Again, these are, let's say, 20 chapters, 20 different feuds, like Laverne versus Shirley or Diana Ross versus the Supremes, Batman versus Robin, you know, in real life, the actors who played them. Then it depends. Uh, you get and another thing. Some things are just very interesting. So when you find out all the contract disputes between the actresses in Laverne and Shirley, you stick with it till you're done, but then it's just one chapter. Some topics, if it's one overriding theme, then you want to do that, and you might stick with it for almost all of six months, full-time, you know, pretty much. But it depends what comes along. And the wonderful thing, as you know, Tim, is that when you're a writer, you can interrupt yourself. You can go somewhere or do something else and come back to writing. And, of course, with a computer or a laptop, you can do it anywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's key, you know, in the fact that when I'm writing, it's not like the, I would say the old days, at least for me, you know, when I'm writing an article or writing a, you know, a book, whatever it may be, that I have to stay focused on that and get that thing done. It's not that way. I mean, we have uh, so many other abilities, maybe just through writing so for so long, you know, I've gotten skilled to the point where I could start something and then pick up another topic and start writing on that while that yeah. one's, you know, simmering in the background or waiting for someone, a celebrity, for instance, to get back with yeah. you with a quote. That would be, uh, yeah. 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 I think I've spent more times with people that said, oh, yeah, I'd love to give you, uh, you know, an endorsement, a quote for your book. And then when it comes time to do it, you have to track them down somewhere. <laughs> oh, very much so, yeah. And, of course, as you know, the only exception is when you have a deadline. Then you, of course, stick with it till you meet that deadline. I recently did something different. I was asked, would you like to caption 170 photos of Marilyn Monroe? And I thought, oh, that won't be difficult, because I had done a book called Marilyn Forever a few years ago, which right. was all quotes about her by people past and present. And so I undertook it. Well, wow, this was a full time for two months, but just full, full time finding out who was the photographer, when was it taken, where was it taken, and then all the contradictions on the internet. My, well, I met the deadline day before yesterday, but anyway, I met the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the key. And because deadlines, you're you're under contract to get it done. Oh, yeah. you, you're obligated sure. to do it. And of course, you want to get paid. Uh, you know that's, <laughs> yeah. and, that's and to be part. responsible. Sure, because you know you agreed to do it, so you do it and do it as best you can. Sure, absolutely. All right, then. Well, what um, as far as your uh, writing in general, as far as your um, commitment to it, your styles. You know, there are some authors that love to get up at you know five thirty in the morning and start cracking away at it, or there's others that are like, I'm doing you know twenty thousand words today, do or die. Right. Uh, are you more like that, or, or going back to what we just said? Uh, you know, oh, the deadline's here. I got to get cranking on this thing. <laughs> Right. No, no. I keep the deadline in mind. I wouldn't leave it like toward the end because then the quality might not be there. But I happen to be a night owl, and uh, sometimes I do business with Japan. So when it's nighttime, say 11 p.m., then it's next afternoon in Japan. And so I'll often work between, let's say, 11 p.m. and 5 a.m., and then go to bed, then up by the crack of noon or so. But, yeah, and I don't think you need to, unless you're maybe a novel writer, to say, I will do 2,000 words today. You cannot do that with quotes books, obviously. It wouldn't happen, and the quality would suffer. You, then you'd be collecting quotes that are not of interest. But everyone has their own pace and what works for them. And, you know, after you've been doing it a few years, after I've been doing it, let's say, five books worth, then I figured it's not when you get up, how well you use your time when you are awake that counts. Yeah, that's good. That's a good quote. I'm going to steal that quote right there. <laughs> it's 
what you do in the, the time that you have. As, you as opposed to early to bed, early to rise, that's great for some people, but not for some of us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. If you ask me to get up at 530 in the morning and start riding, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> there has to be some big money involved in that for that to happen. So. <laughs> All right. We're coming to the end of the show today. I want to give you an opportunity to leave us uh, with how people can find out more about you and, and your all your books, any events going on, things uh, so they can keep track of all this wonderful writing you're doing. Well, I don't have a website because, you know, the thing is one keeps busy enough with writing books as opposed to, of course, one has to help publicize them, but doing a whole website and all that. But you can just Google the name, Bose Hadley, and Hadley is the British spelling with H-A-D-L-E-I-G-H instead of L-E-Y. Sorry about that. But <laughs> Life's a Pooch, yeah, you can just uh, Google it. I don't think there's any other book with that title. I did a book a few years ago called Holy Cow. Well, there are about six minimum books called Holy Cow, including one novel. But uh, Life's a Pooch is a unique title. And I must admit, I did not come up with that. That's a great title as opposed to Life's a Bitch. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you just go online. It's very easy to find out uh, you know, about books. And also at the library, that's another thing. Uh, people patronize their public library. And if the library doesn't have a book you want, whatever it is, just recommend it because you are part of the tax-paying public. So we're yeah. very fortunate in the U.S. to have wonderful library systems. Yeah, and that's a good point. Take advantage of those, you know. And uh, I think that's, uh, Bose, I have to say, that's the first time I've heard an author actually tell people to go to the library and look for his books. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, sometimes uh, people are strapped economically. And even though this is a very low priced, beautifully done hardcover, you can go to the library and read it as well. And of course, some people read ebooks. I've never done that, but it is available as an ebook as well. There you go. So everybody, uh, go out and get a copy in some fashion or another and uh, enjoy it. I love those quotes. And uh, once again, it's uh, Bose Hadley, uh, Life's a Pooch, Quotes About Dogs by People Who Love Them. Bose, thanks for coming back on the show today. Congratulations again for uh, a wonderful, wonderful book. And we'll look forward to uh, talking with you again somewhere down the road. Well, who knows? On a cat's book. And thank you, Tim. And keep up your excellent work, too. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producer and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email us at Pet Life Radio. We'll be glad to uh, entertain the people you want to see most, answer your questions, and uh, hear from our fans out there, or at least our listeners. We appreciate that. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, a book, or an article, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.